0: Welcome to the Marian Message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. Each week we'll hear God's Word explored by Dr. Henry M. Meadows, Jr. as he preaches from the pulpit of Marian Baptist Church in Chatham, Virginia. We pray that this message will be a blessing and further your walk with God. Let's join him now. Have you ever wondered why we needed a new covenant? Well, in Hebrews chapter 8, um, the writer explores that truth. And so this Sunday I talk about the going away of the old covenant and the coming of the new that was written in the blood of jesus so hope you'll tune in god bless you guys bye bye well glory so glad you guys are here today um turning about was to hebrews chapter eight hebrews chapter eight man so glad we got some visitors here with us today i believe this is the vacation sunday for the year we got people everywhere gone so glad those that have been you're back and um when you get to Hebrews chapter eight, man, would you stand at the reading of God's word? And we're going to deal with the entire chapter. We're also going to preach this chapter in one sermon, I'm really trying to save a little time to be in Hebrews 11 for a while. Um, so let's just jump in. I'm, it's only 13 verses in chapter eight. Now the point in what we are saying is this: we have such a high priest one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. I'm going to deal with that in just a minute. A minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now if he were on the earth, he would not have be a priest at all. Since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law, they serve a copy and the shadow of the heavenly things for when Moses was about to erect the tent he was instructed by God saying see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain but as it is Christ has obtained a ministry that is far more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises for if the first covenant had been flawless there would have been no occasion to look for a second After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds. I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. They shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. Amen. In speaking of the new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Father, God, help us to understand that we have such a high priest. He wrote a better covenant in his blood. God, thank you. We do pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. A couple of things. I want to give you a few truths Um before we ever really get into it this week, um, I only have two points, but they're going to be quick, I think, today, I think, but I want to give you some truth beforehand. I spoke about it right there. Notice what he says. Now, we always say this, when we read that part, that he is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty in heaven, and so we see that, and we read that, and, and I said it so altered. that's the right hand of power, that's the right hand of authority, that's the right hand of honor, that's why Christ is set right there. But there's also a meaning if you were a Jew and would see that picture mentally in your head. If you were looking at that and you were thinking a Jewish, the Jewish way, the Sanhedrin, when they, would, when they would bring up counsel, they would have the main, the high priest sitting there of the Sanhedrin, and on the left side would be the one who wrote articles of their iniquities, in other words, their sins the one sitting on the right wrote articles of acquittal. So what the picture is here that we get from this passage is not only that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father in the place of power and in the place of honor, but he's also the one who will write the acquittal for you and I. He is the one who will say not guilty because he's the one that when he was on Calvary and right before he died, he's the one that could say to Telestai, it is finished because his blood Paid your sin debt, so sitting there, he's in the place of acquittal. Also, so not only is it a seat of power and of honor, it's also a seat of mercy. Don't forget that. And then, as we think about it, I was reading, and he says it here, and it struck my brain as we get into this days, uh, into these verses in verse eight. For he finds fault with them when he says, "Behold, the days are coming," declares Lord, "I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah." Well, we know that the Old Testament was written to the Jews. But how many of us know that the New Testament and the New Covenant was for the Jews also? We say it's for the Gentiles. We think it's all about us. Not so. If you didn't catch it when I said it right here in verse 10, for this is the covenant I will make with whom? With the Gentiles? No, he says, I will make it with the House of Israel, but wait a minute. Is not it for the Gentiles too? Yes. It's always been that it. No matter who you were, you could come. But people ask all the time, "Is has God done with Israel?" No, God's not done with Israel. He's not done with. Hey, listen, they are still. It's about them. But right now, it's more about us, in a sense, because we are more willing to accept. Let me give you some verses that back up what I'm saying. Go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And notice what the Bible says here. You know the story. Samaritan woman, the Bible says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. And so when he comes there, and we see there in John chapter 4, look down at verse 22. What does he tell her? For salvation is from the Jews. Okay, let me give you another one. Go to Romans chapter 11. Uh. Romans chapter 11. And look at verse 26. And this is the way. Now, he's talking about Israel's salvation and coming back. This is a partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. It's in the verse one And in this way, all Israel will be saved. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Let me go to one more. Go to Galatians chapter three. Galatians chapter 3. Look down at verse 7. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. We are grasped in, as it were. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In all nations, and in you all nations shall be blessed and then one more same in galatians chapter 3 but look down at verse 29 and if you are christ then you are abraham's offspring heirs to promise so god wrote both the new and the old covenant or the old covenant and the new covenant they were rid to israel for them but he wants you to understand that there's a fullness of gentiles that come in but it is still for Israel to be saved. They are still his chosen people. Don't forget that. So as we get here and we look at this, what's the problem? Why do we need this new covenant? What was necessary for it? Well, I want to look at some several things because if we're back in that, we're back in Hebrews chapter, chapter 8. Why is it that he needed to, uh, to write a new covenant? Why did the old one need to be gone away why was it becoming obsolete the word obsolete means antiquated and, and why is it that he needs to let it go away and write this new one well there's a whole lot about it a whole lot about just how the old covenant was and what the new covenant is so let's look at those two things so if we have such a high priest i've entitled this such a high priest here's what he did he procures a new covenant Let's talk about the things of the Old Covenant. He's talking about this in verse 9, not like the Old Covenant, the covenant that I made with their fathers when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. They did not continue in my, in my covenant, and I showed no concern for them. I've got five things about the Old Covenant that made it necessary for a new one. Number one, the Old Covenant was based on works. It was external there was nothing about it that would show you that could bring you to repentance that I'm going to show you. That. It just showed you, and I'm going to talk about this uh, mirror. It showed you who you were. I'm going to give you scripture to back that up. But remember, what did it say? Thou shalt not steal. Now I know it have no other gods before you. It's a work. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not. You remember what he said to the rich young ruler? The ones that he gave to him, do you remember that? They were all ones that you could do. Don't steal, don't covet, don't murder, don't lust. Those are the ones he gave him. And you remember what the rich young ruler said? All of these I've done since my youth. And he said, You lack one thing, though. Take all that you have and give it to the poor. Here's what he's saying give to me your heart. That's what he was telling Rich Young, really. Give me your heart because your heart is in your money. Give me your heart. Second thing, the Old Covenant could only show you where you were. Romans chapter 7. Flip there if you would. Romans chapter 7. Romans 7 verse 7. What then shall we say? that the law was sin by no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For, if I would not have, for I would not have known what it is to covet if the law said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. He said, once I was aware of it, oh my goodness, I just began to covet everything in a sense. It was the law that told me that I was a coveter. It was a, 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 the law that told me that I was a murderer or a luster or an adulterer. It was the law that pointed out, I just thought I was a good dude. How many of us think all along we're just good dudes? Here's what we think well, I ain't killed nobody. I'm faithful to my wife. I, I don't cheat on my taxes, not much. I don't, use, I don't always use profanity. I don't say the big ones. So I'm a pretty good dude. Or dudette. The law says, you're a coveter. You're an adulterer. You're a murderer. You're a liar. You're a thief. Paul said, had it not been for the law, I would have not known I was any of those things. The old covenant had no power to change. It just pointed out who you were. It said the obvious. And then what? Well, you would offer sacrifices. Well, that's great. My next one says this. The old covenant couldn't provide forgiveness. Show me one place in the old covenant that it provided forgiveness. You know what it did? I, told, I said it before, what did the old covenant do? It would take your sins on the day of atonement or if you ever offered a other sacrifice and it would take them and you would lift up uh, the rug of your heart and you would take whatever sins it were and you would sweep them under that rug and then you would put there and then you would just step on top of it. Are they gone? No. They're just covered. Oh, it told you that you needed salvation. They told you that you needed a savior. They told you that you needed forgiveness, but it never offered forgiveness. Mm -hmm. The old covenant was legalistic. I mean, wasn't that what it was? Just legalistic. All about works. And by the way, it was it had nothing to make you keep it. You guys know I was reading um, this past week in Exodus, and um you got, I mean, they're barely uh, out of Egypt, barely across the Red Sea. They see Moses go up into the cloud where God was, and he stayed there, we know for 40 days. and what happened at the end? The golden calf. And they got Aaron involved. Let me say, what's the big deal? The enemy always goes at God's word, doesn't he? I don't have time to to really get into all that. We, We got communion and all that. They went against the very first two commandments in making that calf. One, the calf was one of the gods of Israel. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. They couldn't keep it no time. Now this man had just led, this God had just led them out of Egypt. He had just led them through the Red Sea and already they're falling short according to the works of the commandment. So that was the old covenant. I want to look a little bit more in depth at the new one because I want you to get this. So, such a high priest, he procured a new covenant, but secondly, he provides better promises. Number one, here's what we see. It's written on our hearts. It's not written on tablets of stone. It's written on our hearts. Do you know why he went to the heart? Well, I believe he went to the heart. Do you remember what read? we read in Jeremiah 17? That our heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? It's sort of the throne of the enemy, right? Right there on our hearts is the throne of the enemy. So when Jesus died and the Holy Spirit comes, he goes to the very place where the enemy reigns and rules in your life, your heart. And that's where he takes up shop. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Oh, oh wait. You yeah. know yeah. Are we to commend ourselves again? Paul was writing to this church, or, or do we need some letters of recommendation to you or from you? You are yourselves are a letter of recommendation here, written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything or as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which is being brought to an end. Will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was any glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will be what is permanent with we will have glory. Here's what it's saying. There was some glory in that because it was God's word. But in your life, what would be more powerful than you? to just read something or to have someone living inside of you. And see, the one living inside of you, by the way, is the one that wrote this. And so now it's not just reading on tablets of stone it's written on your very inside so that you can feel it that's why this book is called living and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword because the enemy i mean not the enemy the holy spirit will will take this and he'll make it come alive in your life that you'll begin to understand it that's the reason when people say well i just can't understand the bible then you don't know the author if you know the author the author's living inside of you and he's not written his truth on some tablets of stone he's written his truth in you, And that's why when you sin, you feel horrible, I hope. There should be conviction to those who are in Christ. That there's got to be some conviction that when you do something wrong, because listen, there, there might not be a lot of conviction when it's just written on stone, but goodness gracious, when it's inside of you and you have the Holy Spirit and you do and commit sin, the Holy Spirit's not going to be happy with you. Hello? So, if you can just sin, listen to this old pastor. If you can sin and get away with it, you need to check your salvation. Because we have the Holy Spirit living and residing in us. I'm going to speak more about the Holy Spirit too in just a minute. Secondly, here's the great thing you can receive forgiveness. I talked to an old boy this week. I ran into him at a gas station, got in a conversation. I said, hey, man, how you doing? I'm doing all right. I said, man, you, you, you involved in church anywhere? No. I said, what in the world? I said, man, he did this. You guys are funny when y'all do this. I said, well, look, brother, look, you know, I'm still pastor Mary. And by the way, 22 years, that's pretty awesome, y'all. I am so glad to be your pastor. I said, hey, man, I said, I'm still pastor of Mary Baptist Church. He's like, you still there? I'm thinking, where have you been? I said, why don't you come up? Man, if I came up in there, the walls would fall over. I said, what you talking about? He goes, man, you know me. I said, yeah, I know you. He said, man, I just... He just said, I don't think God could ever forgive me. I said, you ever killed anybody? No. I said, you ever had gone after and had people arrested or anything like that? No. I said, well... God forgave Paul and he did that stuff, so I'm pretty sure he could forgive you. Preacher, I I I don't know, man. I've done so much other stuff though. Flip from your Bibles to Ephesians 1. Here's what I quoted him. I want you to have this. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Oh In him. That's the key. You ought to have it underlined in your Bible or circled. I've got it circled in mine. If you write your Bible, I know there's a few that don't like to write in their Bibles. Praise God to you. Highlight it. Circle it. Put arrows to it. In him. That's the only place. You're not going to find salvation in any other way. I may not say anything more powerful today. You will not find salvation in any other way other than in him. Because in him, notice what it says, we have redemption through his blood. Now I'm going to talk about redemption next week, so y'all need to come back for that sermon. You have redemption through his blood. You have been, in other words, you have been redeemed. In other words, your payment has been made for your sin. You paid the debt that you could not pay. We have a paid debt. Listen, it's there. All you have to do is accept it. All you've got to do is say, I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want you to admit you're a sinner, and I need Jesus. He pays your sin debt because it's already been paid at Calvary. In him, we have redemption. And then it tells us through his blood. I'm going to get way more into this next week. The Bible says several times, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And there's out in the forgiveness of our sins. So I told that old boy, I said, hey, man, that's not true. I said, my Bible tells me that there is redemption and it's found through the blood of Jesus, the forgiveness of your sins. I said, it does not matter who you are. It does not matter what you've done. It doesn't matter all the beer you've drank, all the women you've been with, all the dope you smoked, all the drugs you snorted. It does not matter all the... Tickets you've got, none of that matters because it pales in comparison to the power of the blood of Jesus. I said, no, no, you don't understand. There is forgiveness to be found in Jesus. I wish I could look at you and say, well, he got saved right there in that gas station. You know what he did? He said, oh my, look at the time. I got to go. I said, all right. I said, you call me, you need me. There is forgiveness, y'all. There is forgiveness in the blood of Jesus. Give me number three. Here's a great one. You can know him. You can know G, and the hymn is Jesus. You know the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, there was no way other than learning the names of God, in the law itself, there was no way to know him. It it was a bunch of donts, wasn't it? Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. So in the law itself, there was no way to you knew everything God was against. But in the new covenant, you can know him. How also awesome is that? You know, there are really only, in a sense, only two people in the old, old covenant that could really know him, Adam and Eve. They walked with him in the garden. I love that passage. He would come in the cool of the evening and walk with them. John chapter fourteen verse twenty six. Jesus is getting ready to go away. He's getting ready to go to the cross. John fourteen twenty six. But the Helper. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. Now, if you take that, you may say, "Well, that doesn't say we can know Him." Well, if you look back at the beginning of John chapter uh, chapter fourteen, uh, verse seven, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. So Jesus says that this, this Holy Spirit, this man, this Holy Spirit is going to pre tell you everything about me. He's going to teach you everything about me. He's going to tell you what my words, man. And so if Jesus says if he's going to teach you about me and I came and you saw me, you saw me, you saw the Father. Hello. <coughs> you can know him. And then let's go even a little bit better. Let's go to my favorite book of the Bible, 1 John. <laughs> first john chapter two i'm sorry verse one my little children i am writing these things you said you may not sin but if anyone does sin we have an advocate with the father jesus christ the righteous he is the propitiation for our sins by the way that goes back to that's why he sits at the right hand of the father place of mercy and not only for ours, but for also the sin, for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know Him. I just said we can know Him, and by this we will know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. If it's you're striving to learn more about Him. See, that's a definite way of knowing if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Do you want to know more about Him? I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're a believer, nobody should have to prod you to read the Bible. I'm going to make some big statements here. Nobody should have to prod you to read your Bible if you're a believer. Because you're getting to know Almighty God better. By the way, nobody should prod you to have to come to church. A bunch of hypocrites go to that church. Yeah, and you're one of them. We talked about that in Sunday school today. Don't come at me with no hypocrite mess, because you're a hypocrite too. Is it not true? It is true. But nobody should have to prod you. And people say, well, blah, 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 blah. you have a bad time at the dentist, don't you? Who likes a dentist? I have a We do things with church that we don't do with nothing else. You have a bad experience with a dentist. I mean, he just messes you up or she just messes you up, does whatever. Well, guess what you do? Next time you got a toothache, guess what you do? Go to a dentist. Maybe not the same one. That's the reason I look. People have left here and one or two things. They've gone somewhere else or they ain't gone nowhere. I can respect the ones that went somewhere else. At least you're still in church. The ones that don't go nowhere, that tells me all I need to know. Because here's what you're saying. If this church hurts you or that church hurts you and you just can't go to church again, that's insanity. Nobody should beg you to come here. Man, these are God's people. I love y'all. I look forward to Sunday mornings. Even the ones that are not here today. I mean, look at this group over here. Y'all are lacking. Y'all are on vacation. I know where all your people are at. But in there some people that maybe just, it's like you gotta beg them to come to church. Why? I'm we to talk to you in a few weeks where the Bible says, let us not forsake this assembly together, even the more so as the day approaches. And if you don't see that day approaching now, you're not looking hard. You can know him. You know, I told you that the only two people in the Old Testament that walked with God could really know him was Adam and Eve. Do you understand that now today you can walk with him every day, every minute, every second? Yeah, hello. You ought to have an ongoing conversation with the Lord all the time, man. Just you and God hanging out. Just talking. We'll call Sally Sue Raphael and Sally Raphael, whatever her name was, and we'll call a field Donahue. Y'all remember old Phil back in the day? Or we'll call uh, who was the crazy dude? I noticed I looked at old sarcastic EKG over there. Jerry Springer, there you go. You go we'll call Jerry Springer, man. We'll do all that, but we'll we'll, we'll call the town gossip, and we'll talk to them about uh, what's going on in our life, and they don't give you nothing. Why come we don't go to the Lord? Why is it we, we don't have people that are close there needs to be somebody in your life that you can just spill your guts to and they not tell a soul. And they give you biblical advice. Men ought to talk to men and women ought to talk to women. But just somebody that you can talk to. They can be honest and say, you're wrong in this and here's biblically why. Not just say you're wrong because I don't like the decision you made, Cheyenne. But no, you're not handling this right. And here's how what I read in my Bible that tells me that that you're not doing right. Let me give you the last one. We have power. can have power. Now I know some of you are going, I heard that boy is going to make me strong and buff and we got power. I can do whatever I want to be and steal and do this. Yeah, it's not talking about that. that. Yeah. I was going to do my, I was. I wrote in my notes, I said, you can't be a macho man. So I was going to really say that in the macho man, Randy Savage's voice. But you, you, the power I'm talking about is the power to live that out. The power to produce the fruit of the spirit in your life. The power to love. There's one thing missing in our average church today. It's this. We don't love each other. We, we don't care about those around us. Look around. You, you, you don't care. Oh, you care when there's something in it for you. You have the power. See, somebody's like, I had somebody, this was a couple of weeks ago. They said, preacher, I would come to Jesus, but I just know that I couldn't live it if I came to know him. I went, yes, you can, because then you'd have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. See, he doesn't ask you to do anything that he doesn't empower you to be able to do. Hello? He does not ask you to do anything that he does not empower you to do if you're willing to submit and surrender to him. Well, I can't like that person. I preached a few weeks ago about, wasn't it a few weeks ago, I preached on, You can love everybody. I literally, y'all are so funny. I had two people come to me after and said, I can't love such and such. I said, "Uh, condition of your heart. And they were like, what's that mean? I was like, condition of your heart. I said, because I know a man that just preached 15 minutes ago. It said, by the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you can love that person. Because the love of Jesus Christ, the love of God has been shed abroad in your hearts, according to Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Here's the truth. We do have a better covenant with God, do we not? Because it's a covenant that we can know God. It's a covenant that's based on grace. Y'all with me? You have been saved by grace through faith. It's a covenant of mercy. But it's still a covenant of justice and righteousness. But it's a covenant of love written in the blood of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Marian Message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. If you would like to know more, you can reach us on our Facebook page or on our website, www.marianbcba.com.